I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, I was supposed to think of a new intro, because my life is so boring I have nothing to report uh, from one episode to another. That's a burp. Um, and I still have nothing to report, uh, nothing that's interesting to any other people. Except, um, I've been reflecting on how people change over time, uh, especially in absurd conditions. My absurd condition is that I'm home a lot since I work from home. And then my kids are home uh, from school, sitting around doing school at the house. And, hey, you gotta take care of the kids. You just never leave the house. And so uh, I make plans with friends and then uh, plans fall through or whatever. And I'm just kind of in the house a lot. And you go through waves of depression, uh, waves of insanity, and then a weird, peaceful calm is what I'm experiencing uh, that just today, actually. Uh, my brother-in-law came over with his brother. I don't know what that makes him to me. My brother-in-law's brother, my super-in-law. I have no idea what that makes him. Brother-in-law removed. I don't know. Anyways, the point is, is that they put in a basement window where before there was just kind of a plank of wood. Uh, the purpose being that the vent from the dryer would, uh, you know, go there and, and just pump that stuff out. And so there's no room for glass. Well, now I got a new washer-dryer situation that doesn't need a big vent. And so I said, I want a window here. And so my brother-in-law came over with my super-in-law and uh, they installed a basement window. The thing is tiny. It's the tiniest thing I've ever seen in the basement. Uh, a little tiny sliding thing from side to side. But oh my god, it has brought me peace. I sit in my basement and just look out the window. Uh, I was supposed to have a happy hour with someone uh, tonight, and so I bought beer uh, for the occasion. But it looks like they uh, have canceled out because that's how COVID is with everyone now. And so I'm just sitting in the basement with a beer staring out the tiniest window in the world which basically looks straight up to my neighbor's house. So if for any reason any of them have looked out their window, all they're going to see is this weird middle-aged man in his basement drinking beer and staring at them. But yet, it brings me such pleasure. Uh, I can just stare forever and reflect on my life out the tiniest window. Who would have thought a tiny window is uh, what can center a person? But it did for me. Or I'm losing my damn mind. Uh, I'm not sure which. In other news, uh, I took a walk. So, there's that. Well, with that, let's dive into our story. And as soon as I said that, the person I was supposed to have a happy hour with texted saying that they can talk on the phone, but uh, has to go to bed early. Which is... Uh, 
not ideal, so... But in either case, I still have my window. Do you hear that? There's an airplane going outside. Uh, Normally, down in the basement, you wouldn't hear such a thing, but thanks to my tiny window with a tiny little glass slid over to one side, the tiny screen is allowing the sounds to come in. Can you believe I've never read The Fall of the House of Usher? Me neither. Uh, The work was done by Edgar Allan Poe who was born January 19th, 1809, and died on October 7th, uh, 1849. He's an American writer, poet, editor, and literary critic. Poe is best known for his poetry and short stories, particularly his tales of mystery and the macabre. Uh, He is widely regarded as a central figure in Romanticism in the United States and of American literature uh, as a whole. And he was one of the country's earliest practitioners of the short story. He's also generally considered the innovator of the detective fiction genre and is further credited with contributing to the emerging genre of science fiction. That I didn't know. Where's that? With uh, aliens and spaceships. Poe is uh, the first well-known American writer to earn a living through writing alone, resulting in a financially difficult life and career. Uh, weird things about Poe? Yeah, his death, of course. On October 3rd, 1849, Poe was found delirious on the streets of Baltimore. He was taken to the Washington Medical College, uh, where he died on Sunday, October 7th, 1849, at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. Poe was not coherent long enough to explain how he came to be in this dire condition and, oddly, was wearing clothes uh, that weren't his. Uh, He is said to have repeatedly called out the name Reynolds uh, the night before his death, though it is unclear uh, to whom he is referring. All medical records have been lost, which is weird, including Poe's death certificate. How do you lose them? I mean, is it one of those things you always hear about where there's like a fire or some kind of flooding in the basement? Newspapers at the time reported Poe's death as alcoholism. The actual cause of death remains a mystery. Speculation has included a form of electoral fraud in which citizens were forced to vote for a particular candidate, sometimes leading to violence and uh, even murder. So, if you're feeling despondent as an American about our current election that's coming up in November, uh, just remember that there was a time where you were forced to vote uh, for a certain candidate. Uh, just pulled off the street and told to go do it. And if you didn't, you might get killed. America. Did you know he had a nemesis? I didn't know he had a nemesis. Uh, but it turns out immediately after his death, his rivalry with Rufus Wilmot Griswold, which sounds like a character from Harry Potter, wrote a slanted high-profile obituary under the pseudonym, or under a pseudonym, filled with falsehoods that cast him as a lunatic and a madman, which described him as a person who, quote, walked the streets in madness or melancholy, with lips moving in, in dis, indistinct curses, or his eyes upturned in passionate prayers, uh, never for himself, uh, for he felt or professed to feel that he was already damned. Uh, his long obituary appeared in the New York uh, Tribune, signed Ludwig, 
On the day that Poe was buried, it was soon uh, further published throughout the country, and the piece began uh, that Edgar Allan Poe was dead, and he died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. Ludwig was soon identified as Griswold, uh, editor, critic, and anthologist, who had borne a grudge against Poe since 1842. Uh, Griswold somehow became Poe's literary executor and uh, attempted to destroy his enemy's reputation after his death. Griswold wrote a biographical article of Poe called Memoir of the Author, in which he included an 1850 volume of the collected works. There, he is depicted Poe as being depraved, drunken, drug-addled madman, and included Poe's letters as evidence. Many of his claims were either lies or distorted half-truths. For example, it is seriously disputed that Poe was really a drug addict. Griswold's book was denounced by those who knew Poe well, including John Neal, who published an article defending Poe and attacking Griswold as a, a Rudimathus, who is not to be liked uh, uh, of his fee, a thimble full of newspaper notoriety. Griswold's book nevertheless became a popularly accepted biographical source. Uh, this occurred in part because it was the only full biography available and was widely reprinted and in part because readers thrilled at the thought of reading works by an evil man, in quotes. Letters that Griswold presented as proof were later revealed to be forgeries. After Poe's death, Griswold convinced Poe's mother-in-law to sign away the rights to his works. Griswold went on to publish the collected works attached uh, with his own fabricated biography of Poe that invented stories of his drunkenness, immorality, and instability. So, as far as nemesises go... How successful was he? He hates a man with all his heart and uh, winds up getting access to all his works and is able to uh, republish it and make money off of it and still talk about how he's a crazy madman and all sorts of stuff. I don't like people. There's people out there I dislike, but I don't have the time or energy to try to dive in there and uh, really ruin them and then take ownership of anything that might be important to them and uh, try to make money off of it and keep hammering how much uh, I hate them. It takes a special kind of person. I don't know if those kind of people exist today. You don't hear about those kind of rivalries. Eh, maybe it's just for trashy people. Let's move on to the story, which we're going to have to break into two parts because uh, The Fall of the Hearts of Usher is 60 pages long. So uh, it's a lot longer than I thought it was. So let's dive into the first half of The Fall of the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe. You hear that? I know I got music playing over this, but... Oh, there's just jet planes flying around out there. I love it. I love being in the basement and hearing the world outside. When I get done with this podcast, I'm just going to probably grab another beer and just go stand and look out the window. Anyways, The Fall of the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe. There's a little line in here that's looks like it's in uh, French, but I'm not going to read it. Uh, During the whole of a dull, dark, and soundless day in the autumn of the year when the clouds hung oppressively low in the heavens, I have been passing alone on horseback through a singularly dreary tract of country, and at the length found myself as the uh, shades of the evening drew on, 
uh, within view of the melancholy house of Usher. Oh, I know not how it was, but uh, with the first glimpse of the building, a, a sense of insufferable gloom pervaded my spirit. Ah, I was, I say, insufferable, for the feeling was unrelieved by any of that half-pleasurable because poetic sentiment with which the mind usually receives even the sternest natural images. <sighs> Great, there was a bug there. Uh, natural images of the desolate or terrible... I looked upon the scene before me, upon the mere house, and the simple landscape, features of the domain, upon the bleak walls, upon the vacant eye-like windows, upon the few rank sedges, and, and upon a few white trunks of decayed trees, with another depression of the soul in which I can compare no earthly sensation more properly than the, the after-dream of the reveler, upon opium, <laughs> the bitter lapse onto everyday life, the hideous dropping off of the veil. There was a iciness, a sinking, a, uh, a sickening of the heart, an unredeemed dreariness, uh -huh, which thought no goading of the imagination could torture uh, into aught of the sublime. Uh, what was it? I paused to think. Uh, what was it that so unnerved me in the contemplation of the House of Usher? Hmm? It was a mystery, all insoluble. Nor could I grapple with the shadowy fancies that crowded upon me as I pondered. I was uh, forced to fall back upon the unsatisfactory conclusion that while beyond doubt there are combinations of very simple natural objects which have the power thus affecting us, still the analysis of the power lies upon considerations beyond our death. It was possible, I reflected, that a mere different arrangement of the particulars of the scene of the details of the picture would be sufficient to modify or uh, uh, perhaps to annihilate its capacity for sorrowful impression. Ooh, and acting upon this idea, I reined my horse to the precipitous, precipitous brink of black and lurid tarn that lay unruffled luster by the dwelling and gazed down, uh, but with a shudder even more thrilling than before upon the remodeled and inverted images of the gray sedge and the ghastly tree stems, and the vacant and eye-like windows. Oh, writing of this time. Just so much build-up. Uh, nevertheless, in this mansion of gloom, I now propose myself to sojourn of some weeks. Its proprietor, uh, Roger Cusher, had been one of my boon companions in boyhood. Ah, but many years had elapsed since our last meeting. A letter, however, had lately reached me in a distant part of the country. A letter from, uh, from him, which, in its wildly importunate nature, had admitted of no other than a personal reply. Uh, the MS gave evidence of nervous agitation. The writer spoke of acute uh, bodily illness, of a mental disorder which oppressed him, and of uh, the earnest desire to see me uh, as his best, and indeed his only personal friend, with a view of attempting, uh, by the cheerfulness of my society, some alleviation to his malady. Ugh. So wordy. Uh, you could have shortened that up by saying, uh, we were boyhood friends, and he asked me to come over. It was the manner in which all this and much more was said. It was the apparent heart that went with his request, which allowed me no room for hesitation, and I accordingly obeyed forthwith that I shall consider it a very singular summons. Now, although, as boys, we had uh, been even intimate associates, uh, yet I really knew little of my friend. His reserve had always been excessive and habitual. I was, uh, I was aware, however... 
that this very ancient family had been noted. Now, time out of mind for a peculiar, particular, peculiar, wow, can't read that word, sensibility of temperament, displaying itself uh, through the long ages in many works of exalted art and manifested of late in repeated deeds of munitioned uh, yet unobtrusive charity as well as in a passionate devotion of the intricacies, perhaps even more than to the orthodox and easily recognizable beauties of musical science. Uh, I had learned, too, that the very remarkable fact that the stem of the Usher race, uh, all time-honored as it was, had put forth at no period of any enduring branch, in any other words, the entire family lay in the direct line of descent, and had always, with very trifling, very temporary, variation, so lame. It was this deficiency I uh, considered while running over in thought the perfect keeping of the character of the premises, with the accredited character of the people, and while speculating upon the possible influence which the one, in the long lapse of the centuries, might have exercised upon the other. It was this deficiency, perhaps, of collateral issue, and the consequent undeviating transmission, from sire to son of the patrimony, with the name which had at length so identified to as the merge of the original title of the estate in the quaint and equivocal appellation of the, quote, House of Usher, an appellation which seemed to include, in the minds of the peasantry who used it, both the family and the family mansion. <laughs> God. You know, I've always liked Poe, but I've never had to read Poe out loud. So suddenly... I'm realizing that uh, authors of this time, and apparently Poe, never go straight at a thing. They have to dance around the point they're going to make. It's uh, a long and arduous journey to say that they were rich and uh, gave to charity, uh, but secretive people that uh, the peasants gossiped about. I mean, uh, (laughs) no wonder this thing is 60 pages long. I have said... At the sole effect of my somewhat childish experiment, that of looking down uh, within the tarn had been to deepen the first singular impression. Ah, there could be no doubt that the consciousness of the rapid increase of my superstition, eh, for uh, why should I not term it, served mainly to accelerate the increase itself, such as I have long known its paradoxical law of the sentiments having terror as a basis. And it might have been uh, for this reason only that uh, when I again uplifted my eyes to the house itself, and from its, he's still standing in front of the house. From its image in the pool, there grew in my mind a strange fancy, a fancy so ridiculous indeed that I but mentioned it to show the vivid force of the sensations which oppressed me. I had so worked upon my imagination as really to believe that about the whole mansion and domain there hung an atmosphere peculiar to themselves and to the immediate vicinity of the atmosphere, which had no affinity with the air of heaven, uh, but which had reeked up from the decayed trees and the gray wall and the silent tarn, a pestilent and mystic vapor, the dull, uh, sluggish, uh, faintly discernible, and laden-hued. Shaken off from my spirit, what must have been a dream, I scanned more narrowly in the real aspect of the building. Oh, its principal feature seemed to be that of an excessive antiquity. Ah, the discoloration of the ages had been great. 
Minute, yeah, fungi in italics overspread the whole exterior, hanging in a fine, tangled webwork from the eaves. Yet all this was apart from any extraordinary dilapidation. Uh, no portion of the masonry had fallen, and there appeared to be a, a wild inconsistency between its still perfect adaptation of parts and the crumbling condition of the individual stones. In this, there was uh, much that reminded me of the specious totality of old woodwork, which had rotted for long years in some neglected vault, with uh, no disturbance from the breath of the external air. Beyond this indication of extensive decay, however, the fabric gave little token of instability. Perhaps the eye of a scrutinizing observer might have discovered a barely perceptible fissure which, extending from the roof of the building in the front, made its way down the wall in a zigzag direction until it became lost in the sullen waters of the tarn. Oh, my lord. Noticing these things, I rode over. He's still sitting there? <laughs> I rode over a short causeway to the house. He's finally moving towards the house. A servant in waiting took my horse, and I entered the gothic archway of the hall. Oh, a valet of stealthy step. What does that mean? He like does a little, little jig, a little dance towards you. Thence conducted me in silence through many dark and intricate passages. He's doing a little jig to the passages. In progress to the studio in italics of his master. Much that I encountered on the way contributed, I know not how, to heighten the vague sentiments of which I had already spoken. While the objects around me, while the carvings of the ceilings, the somber tapestries of the walls, the ebon blackness of the floors and the phantasmagoric uh, immoral trophies which rattled as I strode were but matters to which, uh, to such as which, that I had been accustomed with my infancy. While I hesitated not to acknowledge how familiar all this was, I still wondered to find how unfamiliar were the fancies which ordinary images were stirring up. Uh, on one of the staircases, I met the physician of the family. Oh, his countenance, I thought, wore a mingled expression of low cunning ah, and perplexity. He accosted me eh, with trepidation and passed on. The valet now threw open a, a door and ushered me into the presence of his master. So he's done hop-skipping, high-stepping, and throwing him into the room with the actual the guy of the house. So here we go. The room in which I found myself was very large and lofty. Yeah, the windows were long, narrow and pointed, and at so vast a distance from the black oaken floor as to be altogether inaccessible from within. And feeble gleams of encrimsoned light made their way through the trellised panes and served to render sufficiently distinct the more prominent objects around. Uh, so he's saying the room's lit well enough you can see stuff. <laughs> the eye, however, struggled in vain to reach the remoter angles of the chamber, so it's not enough light to see everything. <laughs> the, the, the recesses, the vaulted and fretted ceiling. Dark draperies hung upon the walls. The general furniture was uh, profuse, comfortless, antique and tattered. Many, many books and musical instruments lay scattered about, but failed to give any of the vitality of the scene. I felt that I breathed an atmosphere of sorrow. An air of stern, deep, and irredeemable gloom hung over and pervaded all. Upon my entrance, Usher arose from the sofa, on which he had been lying at full length, and greeted me with a vivacious warmth in which had much in it. I at first thought uh, an overdone cordiality of the constrained effort of the 
oh, this is ennui. It's actually spelled out instead of the way that I keep mispronouncing with every book that refers to ennui. I always say NY. Anyways, man of the world. A glance, however, at his countenance convinced me of the perfect sincerity. We sat down, and for some moments while he spoke not, I gazed upon him with a feeling eh, half pity, eh, half of awe. Surely man had never before so terribly altered uh, in so brief a period as Roderick Usher! Exclamation point. It was with difficulty that I could bring myself to admit the identity of the wan being before me with the companion of my early boyhood. Yet the character of his face had been at all times remarkable. A cadaverous of complexion. Uh, an eye large, ooh, liquid, and luminous beyond comparison. Uh, lips! Somewhat thin, uh, very pallid, but of surpassingly beautiful curve. Uh, a nose uh, of a delicate Hebrew model. Oh boy, here we go. But with the breath of nostril, what? <laughs> Unusual in similar formations. A finely molded chin, uh, speaking in its want of prominence, uh, of a want of moral energy. Hair of a more than web-like softness and tenuity. Oh, so he's probably going bald. These features, with an inordinate expansion above the regions of the temple, made up altogether a countenance not easily to be forgotten. And now the mere exaggeration of the prevailing character of these features, and of the expression uh, they were wont to convey, lay so much a challenge as I doubted to whom I spoke. The now ghastly pallor of the skin, and the now miraculous luster of the eye, above all things startled and even awed me. The silken hair, too, had been suffered to grow all unheeded, and, as in its wild gossamer texture, it floated eh, rather than fell about the face. <laughs> Weird. Like Muppet fur? I could not, even with effort, connect its aberesque expression with any idea of simple humanity. Eh, in the manner, my friend, I was uh, at once struck with an incoherence. An inconsistency, and I soon found this to arise from a series of feeble and futile struggles to overcome a habitual trepidancy, trepidancy, ugh, an excessive nervous agitation. For something of this nature, I had indeed been prepared, no less by his letter than by the reminiscences of certain boyish traits, and by conclusions deduced from his particular physical conformation and temperament. His action was alternately vivacious and sullen. Oh, his voice varied rapidly from a tremulous indecision, uh, parentheses, when the animal spirits seemed utterly in abeyance, end parentheses, to that species of energetic uh, concision, that abrupt, weighty, unhurried, and hollow-sounding enunciation that led him have balanced and perfectly modulated guttural utterances. My God, this is so wordy about just how he sounds when he talks, which may be observed in The Lost Drunkard or the irreclaimable eater of opium, during the periods of his most intense excitement. It was thus that he spoke of the object of my visit, of his earnest desire to see me, and of the solace he expected me to afford him. He entered at some length into what he conceived to be the nature of his malady. It was, he said, a constitutional and a family evil, and one for which he desired to find a remedy. A mere nervous affection, he immediately added, which would undoubtedly soon pass on. It displayed itself in a host of unnatural sensations. Some of these, as he detailed them, 
interested and be, uh, bewildered me, although perhaps the terms, the general manner of the narration, uh, had their weight. He suffered much uh, from a morbid acuteness of the senses, <laughs> and the most uh, insipid food was alone endurable. He could wear only garments of a certain texture. Oh, let's hope it's silk. The odors of all flowers were oppressive, and his eyes were tortured by even a uh, faint light, and there were but peculiar sounds. And these from stringed instruments, which did not inspire him with horror. To a, to an anomalous species of terror, I found him a bounden slave. Quote, I shall perish, said he. I must perish in this deplorable folly. Uh, thus, thus, and not otherwise, shall I be lost. Uh, I dread the events of the future, uh, not in themselves, uh, but in their results. Oh, I shudder at the thought of any, even the most trivial incident, which may operate upon this intolerable agitation of the soul. I have, uh, uh, indeed, no abhorrence to the danger, uh, except in its absolute effect uh, in terror. In this unnerved, uh, in this pitiable condition, I feel that the period will sooner or later arrive when I must abandon life and reason altogether in some struggle with the grim phantasm, fear. I learned, moreover, at intervals, and through the broken and equivocal hints, uh, another singular feature of his mental condition, uh, he was enchained by certain superstitious impressions in regard to the dwelling which he tenanted, and whence, for many years, he had never ventured forth uh, in regard to an influence uh, whose superstitious force was conveyed in terms too shadowy here uh, to be restated. An influence which some peculiarities in the mere form and substance of his family mansion had, by dint of long sufferance, he said, uh, obtained over his spirit an effect which the physique of the gray walls and the turrets and of the dim tarn in which they all looked down had at length brought about uh, upon the moral of his existence. Oh, my God. I just had to pause there for a minute, uh, stop recording. Uh, I got another beer, and I thought to myself, am I going to give up on this story? Uh, you, the listener, doesn't know this, but there have been many episodes where I start reading a short story from someone, and, and I realize uh, this is the most boring thing I've ever read. And then I give up on it, and I find something else to read that's a little less boring. Uh, I... I'm realizing now that reading Edgar Allan Poe out loud is insanely boring. Um, but I'm not giving up. It's Edgar Allan Poe, damn it. Uh, this is The Fall of the House of Usher, an incredibly famous story. We're going to learn to like it, uh, whether you like it or not. So let's keep pushing forward. He admitted, however, although... By the way, when I got the second beer, the first thing I did, looked out my small window. Uh, without hesitation, that much of the peculiar gloom, thus, uh, which affected him, could be traced to a more natural and far more palatable origin. To the severe and long-continued illness, indeed, uh, to the evidently approaching dissolution of a tenderly beloved sister, his sole companion, oh, for the long years, and uh, his last and only relative on earth. I heard a cease, uh, he said, with a bitterness, which I can never forget, and I would leave him... Uh, him, the hopeless and the frail, uh, the last of the ancient race of the ushers. While he spoke, uh, the Lady Madeline, for 
So was she called, passed slowly through a remote portion of the apartment, and uh, without having noticed my presence, uh, disappeared. I regarded her with a, a utter astonishment, not unmingled with dread. And yet I found it impossible to account for such feelings. A sensation of stupor impressed me as my eyes followed her retreating steps. But a door at length closed upon her, my glance sought instinctively and eagerly the countenance of uh, the brother. But he had buried his face in his hands, and I could only perceive that a far more than ordinary waneness was overspread in the emaciated fingers, though which trickled ah, many passionate tears. Uh, the disease of the Lady Madeline had long baffled the skill of her physicians, a settled apathy, a gradual wasting away of the person, a frequent, uh, uh, although transient, affections, the particularly uh, cataleptical character. There were the unusual diagnosis. Uh, Hithero, she had steadily borne up against the pressure of her malady and had not betaken herself uh, finally to bed, but on the closing of the evening of my arrival uh, at the house, uh, she succumbed as her brother told me, at night, with the inexpressible agitation, to the prostrating power of the destroyer, and I learned that the glimpse I had obtained of her person uh, would thus probably be that I should last obtain, that the lady, at least while living, would be seen by me no more. Uh, for several days ensuing, her name was unmentioned by either Usher or myself. Uh, during this period, I was uh, uh, busied, earnest endeavors to alleviate the melancholy of my friend. Oh, we painted and read together, or I listened, as if in a dream, to the wild improvisations of his speaking guitar. What? What the hell's a speaking guitar? <laughs> and thus, as a closer and still closer intimacy admitted me more unreservedly to the recesses of his spirit, and more bitterly did I perceive the futility of all attempted cheering a mind from which a darkness, as if an inherent positive quality, poured forth upon all objects of the moral and physical universe, in one unceasing radiation of gloom. Yeah, I shall never uh, bear about me a memory of the many solemn hours I thus spent alone with the master of the House of Usher, yet I uh, should fail in any attempt to convey an idea of the exact character of the studies, uh, or for the occupations in which he involved me, or, or led the way, an excited and highly distempered ideality through a sulfurous luster overall. As long impoverished dirges, it will ring forever in my ears. Among other things, I should painfully in mind uh, a certain singular perversion and application of the wild air of the last waltz of von Weber. Yeah, from the paintings over which his uh, elaborate fancy had his burp there, brooded and grew um, touch by touch into the vagueness in which I shuddered, uh, the more thrillingly because I shuddered knowing not why. From these paintings, vivid as their images are now before me, I would vain endeavor to adduce more than a small portion of the lie between the... This is so much fluff. Merely written by words, by the utter simplicity, by the nakedness of the designs, by the arrested and overawed attention, and the immoral and painted the idea. The mortal was Roderick Usher. For me, at least, in the circumstances then surrounding me, there arose out of the pure abstractions which the hypochondriac contrived to throw upon his canvas an intensity of intolerable awe, no shadow of which felt I yet had ever had the complication of the certainty of glowing yet to concrete reveries of fuselage. 
Oh my god, this is so annoying for me. Why am I so annoyed at Edgar Allan Poe right now? I guess because I've never had to read it out loud. You can just kind of skip over a lot of this when you're just reading it yourself. Ugh. Why is this so painful? One of the phantasmagoric conceptions of my friend, partaking not so rigidly of the spirit of abstraction, may be shadowed forth, although feebly in words. A small picture presented the interior of an immensely long and rectangular vault or tunnel, uh, with low walls, uh, smooth, white, and without interruption or device. Uh, certain accessory points of the design served well to convey the idea that this excavation lay in exceeding depth below the surface of the earth. Oh, no outlet was observed, in which the portion was vast extent, uh, and no torch or other artificial source of light was discernible, yet a flood of intense rays rolled throughout and bathed the whole in a ghastly and inappropriate splendor. Oh, I've just spoken of that morbid condition of the auditory nerve, which rendered all music intolerable to the sufferer, with the uh, exception of certain effects of stringed instruments. Oh, it was, perhaps, the narrow limits to which he thus confined himself upon the guitar, oh, his speaking guitar, which he gave birth, in a great measure to the fantastic character of his performances. But the fervent felicity of his impromptuous could not be accounted for. They must have been and were in the notes as well as the words his wild fantasies for not unfrequently accompanied himself with rhymed verbal improvisations. Weird. The result of that intense mental collectedness and concentration in which I had previously alluded is observable only in particular moments of the highest artificial excitement and the words of one of these rhapsodies I have easily remembered. I was, perhaps, the more forcibly impressed by it, uh, as he gave it, because in the, the under or mystic current of its meaning, I fancied that I perceived, and for the first time, a full consciousness on the part of Usher, of the tottering of his lofty reason upon her throne. The verses, which were entitled, uh, uh, The Haunted Palace, which ran very nearly, if not accurately, thus. Oh, all right. Well, here comes one of his famous poems. In the greenest of our valleys, by the good angels, tenated uh, once a fair and stately palace, radiant palace, reared its head, in the monarch's thoughts, dominion. Oh, it stood there. Never seraph spread a pinion uh, over fabric half so fair. Two. Banners yellow, glorious, golden, on its roof did float and flow. This, in parentheses, all this was in an olden time long ago, in parentheses. And every gentle air that dallied in that sweet day, along the ramparts, plumped, and pallid, a winged odor went away. Three, wanderers in that happy valley, through uh, two illuminations, oops, sorry, luminous windows, saw spirits moving musically to a lute's well-tuned law, round a throne where sitting, in parentheses, Porphyogene, exclamation point. Let's look that one up. Let's see if that's even really a word. Yeah, there's no nothing for that. Okay, fine. In the state of his glory, well befitting, the ruler of the realm was seen. For, in all with pearl and ruby glowing, was the fair palace door, 
Though which came flowing, 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 and sparkling evermore, troop of echoes, ah, whose sweet duty was but to sing, in voices of surpassing beauty, the wit and wisdom of their king. Five! But evil things, oh, in robes of sorrow, assailed the monarch's high estate. Parentheses, ah, let us mourn, for never morrow shall dawn upon him. Desolate! Exclamation point. And uh, parentheses, and round about his home, the glory that blushed and bloomed is uh, but a dim remembered story of the old time entombed. Six, and travelers now within that valley, though the red litten windows see vast forms that move fantastically to a discordant melody, while like a rapid ghostly river. Uh, through the pale door, a hideous throng rush out forever and laugh, but smile no more. Oh, the cat's here. Oh, there you go. Yeah, go ahead and hit the mic. That doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, okay. Good for you. Well, I was supposed to stop here, because it's been 30 pages, but I don't like reading this, so I'm just going to plow through the rest of it so I don't have to read it later. Ugh, which is so disheartening. I well remember that suggestions arising from this ballad led us to a train of thought wherein uh, there became a manifest of opinions of ushers, which I mention not so much uh, on account of its novelty, uh, for other men have had thought, thought thus, as on account of the pernacity pertinacity with which he remained uh, it. This opinion, in its general form, was that of the sentience of all vegetable things, but in his discordant fancy, the idea had assumed a more daring character and trespassed under certain conditions upon the kingdom of the inorganization. Oh, I lack words to express the full extent, I doubt that, or the earnest abandon of his persuasion. The belief, however, was connected, as I have previously hinted, that the gray stones of the home of his forefathers, the conditions of the sentience, had been here he imagined, fulfilled in the method of collection of these stones, in the order of their arrangement as well as that of the many fungi which overspread them, and of the decayed trees which stood around, above all, in the long, undisturbed endurance of this arrangement. Oh, God. And in its reduplication in the still waters of the time. I don't remember it being this bad, I swear. Like, I think I'm reading something that somebody else wrote as, like just as a joke or something. This is horrible. It's evidence. Ah, the evidence of the sentience was to be seen. He said, in parentheses, and here I started as he spoke, in the gradual yet certain condensation of the atmosphere of their own about the waters of the walls. And the, re the result was discoverable, he added, in that silent yet importunate and terrible influence which centuries had molded in the destinies of his family and which had, had made him what I saw him now. What he was. Such opinions, I need no comment, and I will make none. Our books, dash, the books, which, for years, had formed no small portion of the mental existence of the invalid, were, as might be supposed, in strict keeping with the character of Phantasm. We poured together over such works as Vernet at Chateaus of Gresset, uh, the Belfagor of Machiavelli, the Heaven and Hell of Swedenborg, the Subterranean Voyage of Nicholas Klim by Holdenberg, the, the Chiromancy of uh, Robert Flood 
of Jean Domantin of the De La Chambord, The Journey into the Blue Distance by Teak, and The City of the Sun by Campanella. Uh, one favorite volume was a small octavo edition of the Dictorium Inquisitorium by the Domitian, Do, Dominican Emiric de Giron. And there was, oh God, this is just hell on earth. And Pompous Mella about the old African satyrs and Aegeans over which Usher would sit dreaming for hours. His chief delight, uh, however was found in the perusal of an exceedingly rare and curious book in quarto gothic, the Manual of Forgotten Church, the Village Monitorium Corum Ecclesiasti Magnati, which I'm probably not saying right at all. I don't even care anymore. I could not help thinking of the wild ritual of this work and the profitable influence of the hypochondriac when one evening, having informed me abruptly that the Lady Magdalene was no more... Oh, now the story's starting... He stated his intention of preserving her corpse for a fortnight. Oh, yeah, now the story's starting. Uh, parentheses previously to its final interment, in parentheses. In one of the numerous vaults within the main walls of the building. The worldly reason, however, assigned for this singular proceeding was one which I did not feel at liberty to dispute. Oh, the brother had been laid to his resolution, uh, so he told me, in parentheses, by the consideration of the unusual character of the malady of the deceased, of certain abstruse and eager inquiries on the part of her medical men, and of the remote and exposed situation of the burial ground of the family. I will not deny that uh, when I called to mind the sinister countenance of the person whom I met on the staircase, on the day of my arrival at the house, I had no desire to oppose what I regarded as at best uh, but a harmless and by no means an unnatural uh, precaution. A ton of words saying that they were just putting her away so that she doesn't spread disease. I get it. At the request of Usher, I personally aided him in the arrangements of the temporary entombment, eh, the body having been in coffin. Uh, we two alone bore it at rest. Oh, the vault which we placed it, uh, which had been so long unopened, and our torches and the half smothered in the impressive atmosphere has given a little opportunity for the investigation, in parentheses, was small, damp, and entirely without means of admission for light, uh, lying at great depth, immediately beneath the portion of the building in which had my, uh, my own sleeping apartment. It had been used, apparently, in remote feudal times for the worst purpose of a donjon keep, and in later days is the place of deposit ah, for powder or for some other highly combustible substance. As underneath his bedroom, as a portion of the floor, the whole interior of a long archway, though which we had reached it, were carefully sheathed with copper. The door of mass, massive iron had been also similarly protected. Uh, its immense weight caused an unusually sharp grating sound as it moved upon its hinges. Okay, here we go. We're finally getting somewhere. Having deposited our mournful burden upon trestles within his region of horror, we partially turned aside and yet unscrewed the lid of the coffin and looked upon the face of the tenant. A striking similitude between brother and sister, uh, now first arrested my attention, and Usher, divining perhaps my thoughts, murmured out some few words from which I learned that the deceased had himself had been twins, 
Ah, here we go. We're finally getting somewhere in the story. And that sympathies of a scarcely unintelligible uh, nature had always existed between them. Our glances, however, rested not upon the the dead, for we could not regard her unawed. Wow, I had a really tough time reading that. The disease which had thus entombed the lady in the maturity of youth had left, as usual, in all maladies of a strictly uh, classical nature, character, <laughs> the mockery of a faint, I'm just making up words, of a faint blush upon the bosom of the face, and that suspiciously lingering smile upon the lip, which is so terrible in death. We replaced and screwed down the lid, and, having secured the door of iron, made our way with toil into the scarcely less gloomy apartments of the upper portion of the house. And now some days of bitter grief having elapsed, an unobservable change came over the features of the mental disorder of my friend. Oh, now the story's really rolling. His ordinary manner had vanished. His ordinary occupations were neglected or forgotten. He roamed from chamber to chamber with hurried, unequal, and objectless step. The pallor of his countenance had assumed, if possible, a more ghastly hue. But the luminescence of his eye had utterly gone out. The once occasional uh, huskiness of his tone was heard no more, and a tremulous quaver, as if of uh, extreme terror, had habitually characterized his utterance. There were times, indeed, when I thought his unceasingly agitated mind was laboring with some oppressive secret to divulge with which he struggled for the necessary courage. At times again, I was obliged to resolve all into the mere inexplicable vagaries of madness, for I beheld him gazing upon vacancy uh, for long hours in an attitude of the profoundest agitation, as if listening to some imaginary sound. It was no wonder that his condition terrified uh, that it infected me. I felt it creeping upon me uh, by slow yet certain degrees, the wild influences of his own fantastic yet impressive superstitions. So it's happening now. He is shopping at Hot Topic. It was especially upon retiring to bed late in the night of the seventh or eighth day after placing of the Lady Madeline uh, within the donjon that I experienced the full power of such feelings. Uh, sleep came not near my couch. <laughs> While the hours waned, waned away, I struggled to reason off the nervousness which had dominion over me. I endeavored to believe that much, if not all, of what I felt was due to the bewildering influence of the gloomy furniture of the room. Blame on the furniture. Uh, of the dark and tattered draperies, which tortured that emotion by the breath of a rising tempest swayed fitfully to and fro upon the walls and rustled uneasily about the decorations of the bed. Uh, but my efforts were fruitless. An impressible uh, tremor gradually pervaded my frame, uh, and at length there sat upon my very heart an incubus of utterly causeless alarm. Shaking this off, uh, with a gasp and a struggle, I have lifted myself uh, upon the pillows, and peering earnestly within the intense darkness of the chamber, hearkened, I know not why, except by that instinctive spirit prompted me to certain low and indefinite sounds which came through the pauses of the storm at long intervals, and I knew not whence. That was a big, long sentence with a ton of commas. Overpowered 
By an immense sentiment of horror, unaccountable and yet unendurable, I threw upon my clothes with haste, parentheses, for I felt that I should sleep no more during the night, parentheses, and endeavored to arouse myself from the pitiable condition into which I had fallen by pacing rapidly to and fro through the apartment. Oh, I had taken but a few turns in this manner, when a light step on the adjoining staircase arrested my attention. I presently recognized it to be a usher. In an instant... Afterward, he rapped with a gentle touch at my door and entered, bearing a lamb. His countenance was, as usual, cadaverously wan, wane, whatever, but moreover, there was a species of mad hilarity in his eyes, aha, and it evidently restrained hysteria, which sounds fun, in his whole demeanor. His air appalled me, but anything was preferable to the solitude which I had so long endured. I even welcomed his presence as a relief. And you've not seen it? He said abruptly, after having stared about him for some moments in silence. You've not seen it then? But stay, you shall. Thus speaking, and having carefully shaded his lamp, he hurried to one of the casements and threw it freely open to the storm. An impudent fury of the entering gust nearly lifted us from our feet. It was indeed a tempestuous yet sternly beautiful night, one wildly singular in its terror and its beauty. A whirlwind uh, had apparently collected its force in our vicinity, Ah, for there were frequent and violent altercations in the direction of the wind and the exceeding density of the clouds which hung so low as to press upon the turrets of the house uh, did not prevent our perceiving the lifelike velocity uh, with which they flew careening from all points against each other uh, without passing away into the distance. I don't know if I'm just becoming used to this or if I appreciate his crazy wordiness when it comes to weather. Suddenly I'm really into that. When it's about the people and the environment, not so much. But when it comes to wind and stuff, I get really excited. I say that even their exceeding density uh, did not prevent our perceiving this, uh, yet we had no glimpse of the moon of the stars, nor that there was any flashing north of the lightning. But the, under the surfaces of the huge masses of agitated vapor, as well as all terrestrial objects immediately around us, were glowing in the unnatural light of the faintly luminous and distinctly visible gaseous exhalation which hung about and shrouded the mansion. So the mansion's just covered in a glow. You must not, you shall not behold this, said I, shuddering to Usher, as I led him with a gentle violence from the, gentle violence from the window to a seat. Uh, these appearances, which uh, bewilder you, are merely electrical phenomena, not uncommon, or it may be that they have uh, their ghastly origin in the rank marasma, miasma of the tarn. Let us uh, close this casement. Ah, they are chilling me and dangerous for your frame. Uh, here is one of your favorite romances. Uh, I will read and you shall listen. Uh, we shall pass away this terrible night together. The antique volume which I had taken up was The Mad Tryst of Sir Lancelot Canning. But I had called it a favorite of Usher's, more in sad jest than in earnest, for in truth there is little more uncouth and unimaginative prolixity which uh, could have had an interest for the lofty and spiritual ideal, uh, ideality of my friend. It was, however, the only book immediately at hand, and I indulged a vague hope uh, that the excitement which now agitated the hypochondriac 
uh, might find relief uh, for the history of mental disorders, full of similar anomalies, uh, even in the extremeness of the folly which I should read, could I have judged, indeed, of the wild, overstrained air of vivacity which with he hearkened, or apparently hearkened, to the words of the tale, I might well have congratulated myself upon the success of my design. I had arrived at that well-known portion of the story where Ethred, the hero of the tryst, having sought in vain for a peaceful admission into the dwelling of the hermit, proceeds to make good an entrance by force. Here, if burp, it will be remembered, the words of the narrative run thus. And Ethered, who was by nature of a doughty heart, and who was now mighty withdrawal on account of the powerfulness of the wine which he had drunken, waited no longer to hold parley with the hermit, who in sooth was of an obstinate and uh, maliciful turn, but uh, uh, feeling the rain upon his shoulders and fearing the rising of the tempest, uplifted his mace outright, and with blows made quickly room in the plankings of the door for his gauntleted hand. And now pulling therewith sturdily, he so cracked and ripped and tore all asunder that the noise of the dry and hollow-sounding wood alarmed and reverberated throughout the forest. And at the termination of this sentence, I started and for a moment paused, for it appeared to me, although at I at once concluded that my excited fancy had deceived me, it appeared to me that uh, from the very remote portion of the mansion uh, there came... Uh, indistinctly to my ears what might have been in its exact similarity of character and the echo by a stifled and dull one of certainty uh, of that very cracking and ripping sound which Sir Lancelot had so particularly described. It was, beyond doubt, uh, the coincidence alone which had arrested my attention for amid the uh, rattling of the sashes of the casements and the ordinary uh, commingled noises of the still increasing storm, the sound in itself had nothing, surely, which should have uh, interested or disturbed me. I continued the story. Uh, but the good champion Ethelred, now entering within the door, was sore enraged and amazed to perceive no signal of the, the mouseful hermit, uh, but instead thereof a dragon of a scaly and prodigious demeanor and of a fiery tongue which sate in guard before a palace of gold with a, uh, with a floor of silver, and upon the wall there hung a shield of shining brass, with this legend and written, Who entereth herein a conqueror hath been? Who slayeth the dragon, the shield he shall win. And Ethelred uplifted his mace, and struck upon the head of the dragon which fell before him, and gave up his pesty breath, with a shriek so horrid and harsh, and uh, with also piercing, that Ethelred had feigned to close his ears uh, with his hands against his dreadful noise of it, like uh, whereof was never heard before. Here again I paused abruptly, and now with a feeling of wild amazement, for there could be no doubt whatsoever that in this instant I did actually hear, although from what direction proceeded it, I found it impossible to say a low and apparently distant, but harsh, protracted, and most unusual screaming or grating sound, that exact counterpart of which my fancy had already conjured up for the dragon's unnatural shriek, as described by the uh, romancer. Uh, oppressed? 
as I certainly was, upon the occurrence of the second and most extraordinary coincidence, by a thousand conflicting sensations in which wonder and extreme terror were predominant. I still retained sufficient presence of mind to avoid exciting, uh, by any observation, the sensitive nervousness of my companion. Oh, I was by no means certain that he had noticed the sounds in question, although uh, assuredly a strange alteration had, uh, during the last few minutes, taken place in his demeanor. Uh, from a position fronting my own, he had gradually brought round his chair as to sit with his face to the door of the chamber, and thus I could partially perceive his features, although I saw that his lips trembled as if he were murmuring inaudibly. His head had dropped upon his breast, yet I knew he was not asleep. What, what, the, what is that? Uh, from a wide and rigid opening of the eye, as I caught a glance of it in profile, the motion of his body, too, was at variance with this idea, for he rocked from side to side with a gentle yet constant and uniform sway. Having rapidly taken notice of all this, I resumed the narrative of Sir Lancelot, which thus proceeded. And now, uh, the champion, having escaped from the terrible fury of the dragon, Thinking himself of the brazen shield and of the breaking up of the enchantment uh, which is upon it, removed the carcass from out of the way before him and approached variously over the silver pavement of the castle to where the shield was upon the wall, which in sooth tarried not uh, for his full coming, but uh, fell down at his feet uh, upon the silver floor with a mighty and great terrible ringing sound. No sooner had these syllables passed my lips than, as, as a shield of brass had indeed at the moment fallen heavily upon the floor of silver, I became aware of a distinct hollow, uh, metallic and clangorous, yet uh, apparently muffled in reverberation. Uh, completely unnerved, I leapt to my feet, but the measured rocking movement of the usher was not disturbed. I rushed to the chair on which he sat, his eyes were bent fixedly before him, and throughout his whole countenance, there reigned a stony rigidity, but as I placed my hand upon his shoulder, there came a strong shudder over his whole person. A sickly smile quivered about his lips. Oh, now it's getting good. And I saw that he spoke in a low, uh, hurried, and gibbering manner, uh, as if unconscious of my presence. Bending closely to him, I, I at length drank in the hideous import of his words. Uh, not hear it? Oh, yes, I hear it, and have heard it. Long, 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 many minutes, many hours, many days I have heard it. Yet I dared not, oh, uh, pity me, miserable wretch that I am, I dared not, I dared not speak. We have put her living in the tomb. Said I not that my senses were acute? I know. Uh, nope, sorry. Now tell you that I have heard her first feeble movements in the hollow coffin. I heard them many, many days ago. Yet I dared not, I dared not speak. And now, tonight, Ethelred, ha, exclamation point, ha, exclamation point, the breaking of the hermit's door, and the death cry of the dragon, and the clangor of the shield, say, rather, the rendering of her coffin, and the grating of the iron hinges of her prison, and her struggles within the coppered archway of the vault. Oh, whither shall I fly? Will she not be here anon? Is she not hurrying to upbraid me for my haste? Have I not heard her footstep upon the stair? Do I not distinguish that heavy and horrible beating of her heart? Madman, which is weirdly all in caps, 
Here he sprang furiously to his feet and shrieked out the syllables as if in an effort he were giving up his soul. Madman, I tell you that she now stands without the door. As if in the superhuman energy of his utterance, there had been found the potency of a spell. The huge antique panels to which the speaker pointed threw slowly back upon the instant their ponderous and ebony jaws, which is the work of the rushing gust. And then without those doors, there did, in lowercase all capital letters, which is kind of weird to look at, stand the lofty and shrouded figure of the Lady Madeline of Usher. There was blood upon her white robes, and the evidence of some bitter struggle upon every portion of her emaciated frame. For a moment, she remained trembling and reeling to and fro upon the threshold, then, with a low moaning cry, fell heavily inward upon the person of her brother, and in her violent and now final death agonies bore him to the floor of a corpse and a victim to the terrors he had anticipated. You know, with all the crap we had to get through in the beginning of this book, it just got really good all of a sudden. From that chamber, from that mansion, I fled aghast. The storm was still abroad, and it's all its wrath as I found myself crossing the old causeway. Suddenly there shot along the path a wild light, and I turned to see whence I gleamed so unusual that I could have issued uh, from the vast house, and its shadows were alone behind me. The radiance that was of full setting and blood-red moon which now shone vividly through the once barely discernible fissure of which I had before spoken as an extending from the roof of the building in a zigzag direction to the base. While I gazed, this fissure rapidly widened, and there came a fierce breath of the whirlwind. The entire orb of the satellite burst at once upon my sight. My brain reeled as I saw the mighty walls rushing asunder. There was a long, tumultuous shouting sound, like the sound of a thousand waters, and the deep and dark tarn at my feet closed suddenly and silently over the fragments of the House of Usher. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I'm just going to dive straight into what did we learn from that? Uh, not to give up on a story too soon, because the first 70% of it was laborious and, uh, and annoying, but uh, the last was pretty darn good. That was a very uh, dramatic uh, ending. Uh, what did we learn? We learned that if your sister isn't exactly dead, but not exactly living, uh, don't bury her yet. I mean, she starts to smell or something. Put her outside for a while, but don't bury her yet. Because if you bury her too soon, she'll get angry and tear your whole house asunder. Uh, pretty good story, I have to say. I spent most of this story complaining about how boring and wordy it is. But uh, in the end, I can see why everyone loved Poe so much. So look at that. Yeah, if, you're, if you're a high school kid trying to cheat... On reading the story, and I'm reading it to you, uh, you can write in your report, boring for most of it, the ending was uh, tits. So, if we get anything from Poe, we get that uh, his writing is tits. Uh, cherry tits. 
which is the best kind of tits. So, uh, with that, I guess I'll uh, wrap things up here. I'm glad I finished the story. To, to think that I was so bitter through so much of it. Uh, now I've learned my lesson. I've read this before when I was in high school, or maybe junior high, that uh, I, remember, I remember being really good. But of course, like I was saying before, I never had to read it out loud. So you just kind of read it you know, to yourself. You can skip over a lot of it and just kind of skim and you get to the good parts, which is towards the end. Uh, and you remember the good parts uh, where he's reading the book about uh, Sir Lancelot and uh, the whole dragon and the shield, which kind of doesn't mean anything. It just kind of serves to echo the noises that they're hearing and what's happening in their real life. But it's kind of a weird connection, which sticks with you because uh, Sir Lancelot and the shield and the dragon have nothing to do with a corpse woman coming back up and uh, haunting you and tearing the house apart. Uh, so yeah, good imagery, good writing, uh, at the end, the rest of it, he could have tightened it up. I think if I could go back in the past and be there with Edgar Allan Poe, I would stand there next to him and just shout, tighten it up, tighten it, and maybe get some jokes in there, punch it up a little bit, get some jokes in there, punch it up, but I can't, uh, so, but I'm glad I read it, that was a, a, a good ending. I've already uh, kind of planned out what I'm going to read for next week, uh, or the next episode anyways. I'm going to read The Haunted and the Haunters by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. Apparently he's an English writer and a politician. He served as a Whig member of the Parliament from 1831 to 1841, and as a Conservative from 1851 to 1866. Uh, it's probably going to be pretty boring. I've not, I not. I read these things live as I go along. I don't read them ahead of time, so uh, for the most part. So uh, this could suck, but uh, it's all a gamble. But it, you know that's what October and Halloween is all about. It's all about being a gamble. So uh, tune in for that next week, and I will see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>